This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as, as it is summarized and confessed in Article 11 of the Belgic Confession. Article 8 and 9 give the explanation of the Trinity, the triune God. Article 10 that we saw last week is emphasizing that Jesus Christ is true and eternal God. And in Article 11, the title is The Holy Spirit, True and Eternal God. If you'd like to read along, you can find it on page 503 in the Book of Praise. And here the church confesses, We believe and confess also that the Holy Spirit from eternity proceeds from the Father and the Son. He is neither made, created, nor begotten, but he can only be said to proceed from both. In order, he is the third person of the Holy Trinity, of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God, as the Holy Scriptures teach us. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I guess as we were reading, you found the theme in Romans 5, verse 5, where we learn a lot of the different relationships in the triune God, how the Holy Spirit relates to the Father and the Son and how the Holy Spirit lives in His relationship to us. And we know about the Holy Spirit because as we read in Romans 5, verse 5, He has been given to us. In Acts 2, verse 33, We read that when the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, he received the Holy Spirit. And then at Pentecost, he poured the Spirit out upon the church. And although the wording of many Bible texts makes it sound like the Holy Spirit is an inanimate object. Inanimate means that it's not living in itself, in himself. It sounds like the Holy Spirit is some inanimate object that can be poured out or perhaps a power that can be handled by others who can give him to us. The scriptures are very clear that the Holy Spirit is true and eternal God. And as eternal God and a distinct person in the Trinity with divine characteristics and divine names and divine work, he is not passively acted upon like a ball that is thrown but he willfully proceeds from one place and he moves to another. It's the unique characteristic of the Holy Spirit to be eternally proceeding. He is the proceeding one who is constantly going out from the Father and the Son towards his creation where he creates an eternal connection between God and the church that the Son of God is gathering, defending, and preserving. When we read that God gives us the Holy Spirit, we must understand that God the Holy Spirit is actively entering into our hearts. Just like you might proceed from the parking lot to the church building, it's your own volition, your own will, your own action. The Gospel is that the Holy Spirit is proceeding by His own power down to earth and into our hearts because he wants to. God is never absent from us. And the way that he comes to us and the way that he works in our lives is closely connected to where he comes from. We confess that the Holy Spirit 
proceeds from the Father and the Son. But it is important to know that many years ago, a very large group of believers left the church because they believed that the Holy Spirit only came from the Father. As you can read in the introduction to the Nicene Creed, as you find it in our book of praise, the group in the East rejected the words and the Son. Those who believe that the Holy Spirit comes just from the Father and not from the Son, there are people who are constantly looking for an immediate and a separate work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. As they seek their, their guidance, not through the Spirit working through the Word, but through omens and through feelings, through new revelations. This kind of mysticism cares very little for God's finished work in the past, treats the Scriptures as a book of signs and mysteries, and often relegates the importance of Christ's work to something done in the past. And worse than all that, that this denial of the double procession of the Holy Spirit is to deny the Scriptures. If you look in Matthew 10, verse 20, you can see that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of the Father. And then in another place, if you look, for example, to Philippians 1, verse 19, you read that He is called the Spirit of the Son. And then so that we never think that there are two spirits doing different things, John 15, verse 26 explains that the Son sends the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. God pours His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who uses the Bible to constantly point our attention to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is, is like a, a big floodlight that always directs our attention to Jesus Christ. And all this is not true if the Holy Spirit only proceeds from the Father. And then we see that believing and confessing that the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son is very important. Very important about your... It affects your view of Scripture. It affects your, your view of, of Jesus Christ and what He is doing today. And so it's very good that in our confession there's a very clear statement that the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son. And since He is eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit forms a divine, unbreakable connection between God and heaven and His people on the earth. And we confess in Lord's Day 28 that although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of His flesh and bone of His bones and we forever live and are governed by one Spirit as the members of a body are by one soul. You see in that comparison, the Holy Spirit, His relationship to Christ the head and the church in the body is compared to the human soul. The big difference, however, is that, although this, is that although the soul is with every person from the moment of conception, God the Holy Spirit does not dwell in the hearts of everyone. In Acts 2, verse 38, Peter explained that only those who repent and believe in Jesus Christ will receive the Holy Spirit in their own hearts. Only the members of the body of Christ the head can share in His anointing. Only 
believers in Jesus Christ receive the Holy Spirit, who then is that, that soul that, that connects them to Christ, their head, the union that we celebrate also in Lord's Supper. Only believers can have the Spirit in their hearts, governing our desires and making us aware of our identity in Jesus Christ. The Spirit is the soul of the church in her relationship to Christ the head. And then Romans 5 verse 5 explains that God pours His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we have that whole picture, that Holy Spirit given to us from the Father and the Son proceeding down, dwelling in our hearts. And then God pours His love into our hearts through that Spirit. And you will notice that the passage does not say that God does this through the sacraments or even through the preaching of the Word. The preaching in itself cannot save us, nor can the sacraments. The Word is like a seed that declares God's love. And although the preaching brings that seed very near to the hearts of everyone who hears it, Preaching does not break open the heart so that God's love can enter in. For this reason, God does more than just throw seed at the people through preaching. But together with the Word, He Himself proceeds down from heaven to earth into the very hearts of those whom He has chosen to salvation. It is the Holy Spirit who works the seed of the gospel right into our hearts. Like a child might take a seed and then then press it into the ground. Like that picture that you can see on the listening aids that you're you're to draw. That's also how we pray it. In the beginning of the the celebration of Lord's Supper, we pray, Spirit, work this, this love for Christ in our hearts. From His dwelling place within us, God received the declaration of the Scriptures that God made about God's love and salvation, and He pours that into our hearts so that we can see the Gospel, receive the Gospel, and walk in new life. And then we see that God is not distant from us. He isn't just paying attention to us from heaven like a a parent listening to us speak. Nor does He only infuse us with some power like a surgeon infusing fresh blood in our veins. But the personal God, the Holy Spirit, is truly within us and working in our hearts. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 says that believers are washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. We confess that the Holy Spirit, who together with the Father and the Son is true and eternal God, has been given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all His benefits to comfort me and to remain with me forever. And we see it proceeding from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit applies all God's love toward us right right into our, our hearts so that we understand and we praise Him for His love. If you can see God's love, if you are able to embrace it, if you love His love, you see there the work of the Spirit. His entrance into our lives is compared 
in Ezekiel 37 to the dry bones of skeletons. You remember that chapter where they even clacked together? Well, that dry valley full of, of, of the bones of skeletons, all of a sudden those skeletons are receiving sinews and flesh and skin and breath. In the form of Lord's Supper, we say that by his death, Christ has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin. And then we say, and obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called life-giving. Not in the sense of physical life at conception, but in the sense of eternal life in fellowship with God. And we read about that also in Romans 8, verses 10 to 11. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. He is life-giving by connecting us to all the blessings that Jesus Christ has obtained for us, by instilling the knowledge of God's divine love in our hearts. The life that the Spirit gives is a change of heart so that we want to be godly, so that we want to be obedient, so that we want to be set apart and dedicated to Him in this life and for the life to come. Like the breathing of the breath of life into the nostrils of a man made of dust, the entrance of the Holy Spirit into the bodies of believers is accompanied by repentance from sin, by a quickening of the Spirit, a, a softening of the heart, and a growing desire to live for the glory of God. God pours His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can see his presence in your hearts because it is impossible to have God dwelling within you without seeing any consequences. Although the things that we see in our lives do not always appear to be good things, we may yet rejoice in the hope of the glory of God as we read in Romans 5 verse 2 because the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts makes us constantly aware of God's steadfast love toward us. When God's love is poured into our hearts, we can see His love even in suffering as we follow that chain in Romans 5, verses 3 to 4. We can say, led by the Spirit, if God places suffering in my life so that it may produce endurance, and this endurance will be a blessing for my character. And character is producing hope. Well, then I can rejoice in the suffering. God is using it for my good because He loves me. And only those with the Holy Spirit can see this and say this. We can say, look at how He is shaping me in these hardships. See how much stronger I am in my faith. See how much wiser I am. How much more focused I am on the glorious return of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, do you see God's love in your life? 
Do you look to Jesus Christ who grants that forgiveness of sin and gives you eternal life? In the form for the Lord's Supper, we read it and we read it clearly. By the Holy Spirit, we have true communion with Christ Jesus and share in all his riches, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. By the same Spirit, we are also united in brotherly, true brotherly love as members of one body. Well, when we gather at the Lord's Supper table, we will reflect on this communion of saints when we read together 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 14. And as we do that, we, we pray, may the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is dwelling in our hearts, also together with the Father and the Son, be worshipped and adored, to use the words of the Nicene Creed. And as Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Amen. We'll now sing together, standing if you're able to stand. Psalm 139 stanzas 4 and 5. And again, with a, it's a reference to the work of the Spirit and His nearness and how God is near us through His Spirit. Psalm 139 stanzas 4 and 5.